Escape from Plan A. Terrifying you the first doctor. I still do. You're afraid of me, you hate me. Why? Because you're a man. And you're right. I have always known about man. From the evidence, I believe his wisdom must walk hand in hand with his idiocy. His emotions must rule his brain. He must be a warlike creature who gives battle to everything around him. Hello, everybody. Um, This is the Escape from Plan A podcast, the Plan A podcast. Um, I'm Mark, uh, and I'm here with um, our friend, uh, Sunny. How you doing, Sunny? Good. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on, and and thanks for sort of, um, you know, coming in and and really being a part of Plan A um, the last few weeks. Uh, We really appreciate it. Um, But... Because people know my voice, but they haven't heard you before, would you want to just get into a little bit of an intro and introduce yourself a little bit? Absolutely. This is um, awesome because Mark and I actually met through Eliza, who also blogs for Plan A. I wrote an article um, on adoption that's primarily my focus online, um, and I wrote an article about transracial adoptees and who they end up picking as marriage or dating partners. and. That's right. That's yeah. right. And so I actually really enjoyed Eliza's article and I reached out to her because I wanted to network and just thank her for an amazing, insightful piece. I read a lot of stuff every day and not all of it actually resonates with me. And what she brought to the table is really interesting. And I thought that as a writer, she deserved to hear that. So I got in touch with her and she put me in contact with Mark. Um, and that's kind of how it uh, took off. We both found out that we're adopted and we have yeah, yeah. very active interests in adoptee activism. I actually don't call myself an activist, but other people have described me as such. This episode of the podcast um, will be you know, another uh, adoption focused one. Um, it's going to be a little more focused than we've had in the past, which I think were sort of um, general, general information. Um, but... Um, you know, Sonny, you've written a couple of articles um, recently that I think have gotten a lot of attention. Um, did you want to um, talk about some Absolutely, of those? Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, I'm extremely grateful to Plan A for recognizing the importance of this issue. So my late, one of my latest articles was on the concept of rehoming in adoption. And we all know yeah. that rehoming is what you do to pets if you can no longer take care of them. And, um, but it's also something that can be done to human beings once you've adopted them and decided that they are no longer a fit for your family. Um, it is possible right. to either go back or send the child back to the adoption agency um, or actually mm-hmm. just try to find a place online through private um, groups to rehome your child online. Right, right. And for many, and in just... You know, I think for a lot of people, maybe just hearing that as a concept is sort of horrifying. It is, and I uh, and, and and it is horrifying, and surprisingly legal. Yes. Um, yes, it's <laughs> which it's not like people. You know, a lot of pe- some people are breaking the law, um, but many people are not. It's legal. So, and what's particularly tricky about it and is that it's not well documented there are different steps exactly yeah there's different steps in the process of either fostering or adoption or fostering to adoption that actually count 
to us as a rehome, but to the government and the official statistics, it wouldn't. Um, they're not required to report how many times this happens to children, so we have no idea. Mm-hmm. But that's why I'm working really hard on this, and that's why it's kind of become a, a, a side project for me and an ongoing investigation. Right, right, and. Uh- since you know, I, I'm an I'm an interracial and and trans I'm a transracial <laughs> and international adoptee, <laughs> not interspecies like uh, Superman, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> but um, and I think and, and and Sonny is as well, and in particular with this with with this rehoming um, phenomenon, um, is that they found that international adoptees are much more at risk for sort of the private um, illicit. Um, rehoming practice than our domestic American um, adoptees, and and most of our discussion and and um, my reading around rehoming it and and the adoption um, system and issue is focused in America because you know I was adopted to American, we're American, um, but this is certainly something that probably happens worldwide, and this definitely affects people worldwide. It does, and and it's one of the worst parts about this is that. Even 30 years ago, when social workers and researchers and authors were kind of trying to call this information, they made the prediction, or no, they, they weren't predicting at that time. What they were trying to say was that they don't know the effect this has, rehoming and disruption, right. adoption disruption has. The technical term for it, let's just back up a second. Um, when we talk about rehoming, we're kind of using the colloquial terminology. Um, I'm using that to kind of encompass any time a child is sent back. Let's, the technical terms, um, there's two of them we need to be familiar with. So just so we're clear, um, one of them is a disruption. That is when the adoption is actually severed before the actual paperwork to complete the adoption is finalized. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's adoption dissolution. And that's after the paperwork is finalized, the child's supposed to be part of your family at that point, And the child is sent off to wherever. <laughs> um, typically, this happens yeah. generally yeah. because there's either too much trauma and the parents weren't prepared for it um, and behavioral issues or some other reason why the kid just didn't fit in that family, which is a whole conversation as we go through this. But I did. did, Mm -hmm. That's a whole other conversation. I I do want to back up a little bit and just clarify that because we're so used to this. um, uh, I are so used to this conversation that I understand that the terminology can be a bit confusing going forward in this, um, you know, our podcast here, I'm just going to use the term rehoming. And yeah, I think that's probably best for, um, going but forward. yeah, so how we kind of came to this topic is I knew this happened. I knew it was underground. I didn't know mm-hmm. what else to really do. I didn't know how often it was doing it. Really what sparked this whole conversation that we're having right now is an article about uh, there was a white woman who had an interview. She's from the UK about how traumatizing mm-hmm. it was for her to return her two adopted children back to the adopted agency, adoption agency after only four months of having them in her home. <laughs> four months. Just let that sink in. Yeah. Four I months. I was still using GPS to get around my new neighborhood after like a year. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, so. I've been working at, my, at where I worked for like three and a half years. I still take use yeah. the GPS. Okay. So, you know, and that's something extremely simple. Um, and the article talked about how the woman felt 
that she didn't have support from the adoption agency. Before all this, she was so excited because she was planning. She had the rooms ready. She was getting a house ready. And her expectations Mm -hmm, were extremely mm -hmm. high to adopt these two children. Um, And then what happened was after she received, I guess, received the children, she didn't work out. She started saying that she felt sick every day. She had post-adoption depression. She wasn't happy. And when I'm reading this, mm-hmm. people who aren't familiar with with my my personal story and, and kind of how I got here will understand that I come from a background of, of some pretty bad racism, sort of abuse. And no matter mm-hmm. how poorly... Yeah. The mistakes that my parents made, they never actually threatened to send me back. Um, And Mm -hmm. so when I read this, I'm thinking you have got to be kidding me. You don't take two children who have been severely traumatized. And and as from what I understand, these children were older. Older children tend to have higher rates of rehoming than younger ones. And Mm -hmm. so, so that was bad enough, her making it about herself. What she later then said was how she felt abandoned by the social workers and the adoption agencies for pulling out and not providing her with the support. And I laughed because I'm like, abandoned, just like what you did to the kids, um, you know, and yeah, exactly. with an adoption can cost upwards of $40,000 US dollars. This is the UK. I'm not sure what the situation was there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know exactly how the uk system works though i would assume it's not completely free no no um but it costs a significant you need to have a a specific a certain amount of privilege to be able to do this and then you have to also have the privilege to be able to return the kid without any social or moral repercussions from the greater public Mm -hmm. and so when i'm reading or when i'm reading this article i'm saying now now i'm doing fundraisers to help raise uh, money for children's organizations so this never happens again i'm going on a hike to raise awareness and i'm thinking she's gonna sell her wedding dress she's gonna sell her wedding dress and i'm thinking you have got like so this i I tried it at Mark and I know this. One of our biggest differences is that I try to stay <laughs> really even keel when it comes to these things. Yes. And I actually love it because when Mark and I talk, it's kind of like an interesting balance. I think it's funny how it kind of balances. We balance each other out in a way. And Yeah, we do. Yeah, we and- do. But we, we know that we're we're coming from a similar place. Yeah. <laughs> Oftentimes, I think. I, I, but yeah, and I, I try to embrace compassion, um, compassionate thinking. I try to be extremely mindful. Right. It's taken me a long time to get to that point. And, and when I'm reading this, there, as a mother, this article that I wrote was an – I am – have mixed opinions on open letters of that format, but I actually, this was the first time <laughs> I've ever written one. I was furious. Like, I was shaking as I was trying to type yeah. um, because it's insane to me that adoption for so many people and in the general public is marketed as this option, as just another way to build a family. And in right, a way, right. this... I. My whole goal of doing what I'm doing online and, and writing so much about adoption and it kind of bringing these stories to light using writing um, is my audience has never really been adoptees because we know our stories. I have been wrangling sure. so hard to try to get the public interested because right now, and, and I know you mm-hmm. I know you know this, Mark, and this is one of the things that 
really frustrates us is that the public doesn't care because the public already knows that the happy, sappy narrative adoption and anything yeah they don't exactly. there's no space for that other narrative and i'm not just saying the the angry adoptees i'm saying that the criticism right no just even the critical mm-hmm, there's no yeah. space and i'm like trying yeah. so hard like what can i do to I, I hate to say this but what can i do to get it gonna go viral what will people care about and so my audience has always been the general public and and so i was like you know what i'm a mother and this what <laughs> that's right me off not even being adopted. Well, I mean, but, you know, so you said just a second ago that, you know, and I agree with this, that the um, the adoption, uh, the practice of adoption is uh, framed as just another way to create a family, mm-hmm. right? And at the same time, things that would be completely, would be shamed, looked down upon, um like giving, like rehoming a child, just saying, you know what, they're too difficult to handle, take them back. Something like that, that would not be looked upon as like, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, with understanding from the more traditional ways of forming a family, like like giving birth to, to a child, um, w- they would not be seen in the same way. They'd be like, you're a monster. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, you can't have, you can't have it both ways. Like you can't have it be um, some sort of great, alternative family building, um, you know, uh, method, but then also just treat them like they're, you know, a dog to give up to the pound when they won't learn how, you know, they won't be housebroken as quickly as you'd like, you know? So I just, I just find that narrative of like, it's building a family. I'm like, okay, great. Well then the rules have to be the same. Exactly. And right. You know, you make a really good point because I, received after after publishing this um, article I got some interesting responses and surprisingly the woman who I actually featured in the article never replied to me um, I mean I yeah not surprising uh, I'm a little well me personally if someone wrote an article like that to me I'd be like all on that but like I well, <laughs> she's pro- like here's the thing I knew when I set out to do this that I was probably going to get a lot of hate from other people. They weren't going to like it. I, I had a feeling a lot mm-hmm. of birth parents were going to, mm-hmm. or not birth parents, I'm sorry, a lot of um, adoptive parents were going to come out of the woodwork and start hating on me for this. So what's quite sure. interesting is I did get people making excuses. And I'm sorry, I, I am, a, I, again, I try to be extremely understanding. I am not even taking, mm-hmm. I am taking mm-hmm. off my adoptee hat because I, I don't like labels. Please don't call me that. I guess if that's what I am, that's what I am. I'm putting on my mother and mom and human being hat and saying, there is no way that this is ever okay. So, and I spent days trying to think of ways that this could ever be okay. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking in my head, okay, like, no, (laughs) like, because all I kept coming back, all I kept kept coming back to was this, was the, the counterpoints from the adoptive parent or not even adoptive parents coming back at me. Um, I had people privately contacting me saying we either started the process, the legal process of doing this. It's hard for everybody involved. It just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Or the other things that I heard was, oh, you know, um, the adoption agency didn't disclose everything about the child's health history or the adoption agency didn't tell us that the child was sexually abused or we didn't know the mm-hmm. extent mm-hmm. of the trauma of just basic separation from from the birth mother would have on this child. We weren't prepared or the adoption agency didn't prepare. That's what I keep hearing. And, you know, as a mother, okay, 
mm-hmm. I had no freaking idea what was going to come out of me. I'm sorry. When I was, I right, had right. top maternal care. I am very fortunate. But there is only so much that you can do that you don't know until that kid pops out. And there are problems that you can have that don't manifest themselves on a ultrasound or through blood tests or through amniotic fluid testing. So my mm-hmm, my response mm-hmm. is, so? Like, <laughs> like what yeah. did you expect? Yeah. Like, I, I, and so every single time I started to kind of see their side, I had to stop because in my head I said, but I didn't know that with Liam. Another option, another, another, another thing I heard, and I, I'm sorry, I'm going to be very mean here and say the other excuse I heard. <laughs> yeah, I, I know Mark doesn't think that's mean. I, I think he'd be a lot harsher than I would be. <laughs> so another, I call this quitting, by the way. I, I will be honest. This is quitting because this is giving up on a child because yeah. they didn't fulfill your expectations. And to me, what would happen is one of the things that I heard was like, oh, well, the adopted child, what, first of all, they always call it the adopted child. They never say my child. Mm-hmm. Uh, which which is ironic because they're actually not adopted. Because you rehomed yeah, them. Yep. So maybe they were adopted somewhere else, but they're not no, your adopted child no, anymore. And, and they would say, yeah, and they, <laughs> exactly. And they, oh, gosh, I, oh, the, man. So and then they would say to me, well, or not to me, but I've said, saw the responses to me that, oh, well, you know, maybe um, th- they were disrupting my biological child too much. And I couldn't, I couldn't stand to watch that. Or the react, or they like to, to use a term called the re- reactive attachment disorder, which kind of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which, yes. Which I don't like no. either in terms of calling it disorder. Right. You could you could almost call it um, you could you could you could you can make an argument that it's a rational reaction and defense mechanism to um, a childhood or in a life that just is known disruption and right. trauma. But uh, yeah, okay, they're gonna pathologize it because that's what they do. Yeah, but, I, no, anyway. no. Well, let's back up because let's talk about that attachment because. I think this is really crucial, um, and I think what you're saying is is really important to this conversation because for many of the listeners here who are very unfamiliar with this, this is I mean this is you know usually some yeah, aren't new. Yeah. Um, you know, attachment is an extremely complicated um, part of kind of human uh, nature, and especially in the mother um, infant bond. And I'm just really simplifying this for everybody. But the idea is that a child who is separated from a caregiver early on in life experiences a potential disorganized attachment where they, without that consistent caregiver, that actually causes lifelong damage um, that isn't fixed. Yeah, it can. It can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a lot of research that shows that um, children uh, form attachments very early on it's not like they're you know this whole idea that they're a blank slate and they'll go with whoever picks them up and whatever um and they have no uh emotional attachments or have no idea what's going on or who people are um is totally wrong you know human beings i think um just biologically are are conditioned to attach to to people uh, and to need that contact and when it's not there or not given or it changes um very early on uh, uh, it can be remembered, maybe not like a conscious thing. Uh, they know, but it's remembered. And and this is yeah, it's and, remembered. And this is what like so the the what I'm trying like so the whole reason this relates to the rehoming issue is because a lot of the ki- this causes kids cause serious behavior issues, and if the older ch- it does absolutely and, yeah yes, and older and and you know what it's not all you never know when 
um, attachment trauma will actually manifest itself. And that's why one of the most difficult things that adoption agencies can't prepare you for, they can tell you that the child's going to have problems, but how they're telling these people is either if they're minimizing it or, or blowing it off, I don't know. But the point is that um, these kids are coming with these serious issues. They've already had an intense separation from a mother. And let's just make, mm-hmm. you know what? You mentioned the blank slate th- theory, and I believe it's called tabula rosa. I could be wrong with that term. Um, yeah, 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 that's yeah, that's okay. the theory. And so, and I, luckily for most people, that's been disproven. Um, and so, yes. but there are people who still carry that with them, of course. And, but, you know, when I look at my, and again, this goes back to how could a mother do this? When I look at my son and I would, as an adoptee, my son has something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will never have. And I, that's so true. And I look at him and when he was a newborn, I couldn't take a bath with the shower curtain closed with him in his bouncy seat in the bathroom. Right, and right. So, I thought because you didn't want to, you didn't want to lose sight of him. It was more he would scream, scream. Oh, well, that scream. too. I was fine. <laughs> I wanted a shower. Right, right. But he, but he was like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. When you see that as yeah. an adoptee, and you think, yeah, of what a child who is being left by a caregiver by their mother. And who never comes back? Who isn't mm-hmm. just behind a curtain? Mm-hmm. Think about that, and yeah. think about how that yeah. will damage a child, and how that can't be fixed. So when these children are coming to these homes with serious problems, and they may have been in care for a long time, they're going to have issues. Mm-hmm. And when these adoptive parents come and say, "Well, it just didn't work out for my family. They brought too much trauma to my mm-hmm. home." I'm just thinking you have got to be kidding me. Like, have you? Right. And so (laughs) one of the things that I, some more of the excuses that I received from these people, and Mark, I know I told you many of these and it was just insane, was that. (laughs) And we will, we'll be linking to these articles too. So don't, don't worry guys. dodged a bullet, maybe, that perhaps staying with this family. Now, I actually, Mark, I want to get your opinion on this before I go any further here. Because one of the other uh, other, uh, things I got accused of with this article was harboring white hate for some reason. And so I just, one of the... Harboring white, right, because you mentioned the the, the word white. that's something I really want to ask you about actually as well, Mark, and I'm really interested to get your opinion on that. But uh, Uh, yeah. One thing I... (laughs) am interested in is your opinion on that whole dodged a bullet where the adoptive parents and people who mm, people mm. there are more people who are telling me they know parents who have done this and they say to me well oh man their marriage yeah. almost fell apart because of this adopted child and you know they did it's amazing they came out through it and you know what maybe the kids are doing are be are going to be happier because they'll find a better home i already know my thoughts on that <laughs> so uh, i'm actually really yeah, interested in um, yours Sure. Uh, so, part of me, part of me sees the the quote unquote logic of it, right? Because they're if they were to stay in the family that has those harbors those attitudes that um, you know you're a danger to my family uh, or to my biological children or to other people, um, it's probably best not to have that child raised in a in a in that household for a myriad of reasons. 
one important one being that they're never truly going to be viewed as part of the family, right? That that's what those sort of attitudes and that reaction um, implies. And that's not great. But at the same time, it's yet another trauma. It's yet another um, abandonment. And I say this all the time and I'll tweet it and, 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 and I'll probably incorporate it into my own writing is that even though I think that fear of abandonment um, is a universal sort of a, a human fear, uh, it's not just a hypothetical thing um, for adoptees. It, it's real. It's a, it's a lived wound. It's a lived experience. It's an actual thing that happened. So it's not some sort of... Um, it's not it's not a it's not a phobia in that it's like irrational it's a totally rational fear based on past experiences so you know when you build not not that it just happened once but it could have happened twice or three or four times and then you build in and and then that's that foundation that i think for a lot of adoptees have for what relationship is is that relationship isn't it's it, it's it, relationship is abandonment eventually so you know that that those issues come up and they manifest in different ways. So you know that that statement of they dodged a bullet. I'm like, who jo- who dodged yeah. a bullet? I th- you know who who who's who's the important actor in that sentence? And it's never it's never the adoptee seeing seeing him from that light. Um, so you know I have mixed feelings about it. I, I think it's best that you know a child get out of a situation that they're not going to be wanted because they're obviously not wanted in that household. But it's, you know, the, 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 the best course of action is that <clears throat> it didn't happen at all. But, you know, I, I, I see it as the most benevolent or not benevolent or the most. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the most. Um, it's more ignorant than malicious. Uh, but Jesse, look at it like again. That they and could I'm make. sorry to cut you off. I'm, look at this again. No, go ahead. I have a biological kid. If adoption. Yeah. What am I? What do I do if that? Like, like. Well, I, 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 I agree. It's like you're not going to just abandon them, right? Like, I, and then that goes back to my sorry earlier statement, saying that if this is if adoption is about forming a family, then it has to be about what families do, and it has to be judged in the same context of what would be an appropriate, you know, action by a parent for their which child. Which is not abandonment. And, like, it's you know, not giving up. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be just giving them no. up on the street, right? It wouldn't be, and we'll be talking about this when we talk about rehoming, it wouldn't be finding someone in, on the internet who wants your kid and dropping them off right. at a parking lot. It wouldn't be that. It's finding them treatment. So, you know. It's finding them help. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's And that's exactly it. And that's that's why I, you know, yeah. so that's why I wanted to ask you about the whole dodge and the bullet thing because to me, the, okay, so here's the situation. I have a lovely friend. My best friend ha- is um, friends with a gay couple. They adopted two children. One of mm-hmm. the chi- one of the children mm-hmm. is so violent. Has been so, so almost. Yeah. I think that this child is going to need serious um, either institutionalization for the rest of his life. And the kid is. I feel horrible for the child, um, but has consequences mm-hmm. of of this situation. But so so yeah. violent. Yeah. Um, so traumatized that they actually the parents were fearful of their lives so they had to uh, um, yeah, lock yeah. their doors every night to protect the child from uh, yeah and, and this happens this is not we're not you know some some people are that bad in terms of their reaction yeah so this happens and for so, sure you know so they they actually lock the doors at night um, to protect themselves and the child well, that's horrible but 
they are working with that child to get them treatment. Yeah. And because yeah. they are the parents. Yeah. There yeah. are other situations. Exactly. There are exactly. Other situ- so, so it's it, now not every adopter. I just want to make it clear not every adoptive parent thinks this is okay because there are many, many. Ad- like, no, they don't. <laughs> there are many adoptive parents who can't even imagine that this is even an option, but yet they know about it. Um, and I, right. I just, I think that that it's an option. One, one thing that I, one thing that I saw that I thought was very interesting is that people tend to view, and I think this was from a documentary. Someone put it on Facebook, was that people with the wrong attitude toward adoption tend to view adoption mm-hmm. as almost like a marriage where it's a legal contract where you could dissolve it mm-hmm. at a certain time but the interesting thing is that someone commented and said well you know that's not what did the kid do what part did the kid ask for that now there are situations where the old an older child will say please adopt me that's different that is completely different true but true. where the child's old enough to have control but you know this is why yeah. we need attention on this issue because how many adoptees were part of this disruption process? We, we, how many adoptees said that uh, most of it's involuntary? And this is the, why we're talking. It's, uh, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, the, the whole process from start to finish is involuntary in terms of what the child wants, right? It's a system and adults choosing um, what's best, quote unquote, best for the child. Um, be it the birth parents giving up the child, be it um, circumstances outside of anyone's control in terms of being a, an orphan, um, or whatever reason, it's 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 adults making decisions that impact children's lives. Well, so the children don't have a choice in that, right? I mean, they they're born and then things happen. And you're right, and and you know. It's funny you say that because with this whole situation, you know, we think about the system and working hard for the children, and you know, a lot of people, and and as I continue to kind of investigate this, there is a lot of blame to be placed mm-hmm. on the adoption agencies themselves for a. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Right now, I'm not focusing on that. I I think we need to to pull right. back on that and just say that people are doing this before people care about the agencies and the policies. And so... Yes, yes, because, I agree. Like, we need to, you know, and so... Well, yeah, because just because the agencies are have a lot of problems in and of themselves doesn't mean that we can't look at the people who are doing the adoption, adopting and, and, and look at their behavior and their yeah. attitudes, right? They're not... I don't think they're exclusive, like mutually exclusive, like... There's there's plenty of, of badness going on. That's exactly on. <laughs> it. And I feel like, you know, to get to get general to get our listeners to care, to get the general public to care, their adoption is mm-hmm. so the stereotype surrounding adoption is so ingrained that I think something like this is a lot more personable. So with like so with rehoming, that is something we can all kind of rally behind and say that's not okay. And then you kinda of use that as a segue into other adoption issues the bigger problems with the agencies and the policies and the legalities and, and that are, yes, I, yeah, I agree. So, and that's I why agree. I'm so glad we're doing this with a rehoming podcast because we're not going to stop talking about this and I'm not going to stop talking about this. No, and definitely one not. Of the things that <laughs> is really interesting about this is that the woman who did this was a white woman who did this. And, you yes. know, combined with the recent heart case where the white, other white women uh, murdered her children, her black yep. children. You know, we continuously see that the white people have a lot more power in these situations. That the that if a white 
if a person of color were to behave in this way, I, I think that the shift in the attitude would be tremendously different. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I think that's one of the reasons I'm focusing so much right now on the parents because I want to kind of explode that whole white savior myth through adoption and just see how far they are taking it. See how far they can make that excuse yeah. that well, I saved this child for through adoption, but I still have the power to return them. I have the power to judge whether or not, um, you know, they're good enough for me because their problems like. I can't fathom that. My son, yeah. I don't, as a mother, I have mm. no choice. I am a mother. And if getting my son help means sending him temporarily away to an institution, that's mm -hmm. not giving mm -hmm. up. You know, so, but now no, I no. look at the race of this woman. And I, <laughs> so one of the biggest things I got pushed back on of all of this was yeah. that I got accused, and I have it in one of the the article that we will share of the screenshots of use it because I used white in the title. I made I got harassed basically because I because I tried mm. to make everything about race. And you know what? With adoption, anybody who has a basic knowledge of adoption understands that the whole, especially intercountry adoption, um, understands that there is a level of white privilege and white saviorism in, oh, yeah, in it, white Christian you'd have to be deliberately you know looking you'd have to be woefully ignorant to not see yes. that and i mean look at the celebrities who pull children from <laughs> like different like uh, it's it's yeah you I know intercountry yeah and so yeah and they make the <laughs> well angelina jolie has like a whole united colors of benetton family and, and, Right. You know, and so, and this is kind of what I'm, the point, I use the term white deliberately. First of all, I'm an Asian woman, okay? It, sure. It's not offensive to me to be calling me an Asian woman. And so, yeah. one of the things that got focused on was that I got accused of harboring white hate. And I got accused of having a white chip on my yeah. shoulder simply because I called the woman white in my title and didn't mention her race anywhere else. I just used it as a simple descriptor because to me... Returning right, your right. child is one of the, and getting away with it is one of the, sorry, one of the whitest things you could possibly do right now. Because there was a Twitter, yeah. there was a tweet going around about a woman who, a single black woman. And Mark, I don't know if you saw it, but there was this assumption mm -hmm. that if a black woman is single and a mother, she's either on welfare mm -hmm. or has different baby daddies or something. Mm -hmm. Here the woman was a right, widow. Right, right. So, like... Yeah, no, I saw, I saw, no, I, I saw that because she had just graduated college or got maybe like a master's degree or something. She was in her um, graduation, you know, mortarboard and gown and her like three or four kids were with her and, and she was like, we did it. And <laughs> people just went right to the racism. Yep. They went right to the racism. And then, you know, and, and she's like, my husband died, you assholes. I mean, she didn't say it that way, but that's basically what it was. She was like, I'm a, I'm a widower. <laughs> and this is what, exactly what I'm saying. Like, that is, see, you know, so, so I'm trying to show that race matters and. Oh, it absolutely matters. But I mean, like in, the, in, in the quote that you, you had was the, the person even started with that. She said race does matter significantly in adoption, but 
then basically you hurt my feelings. So she said, race does matter significantly in adoption, but if the purpose of the article is to educate potential adoptive parents who are white, the title is inflammatory <laughs> and automatically triggers a defense response. And they say, they won't. So for me, it's like I read that as race matters, but I'm in my feelings about this, so please don't point out that white people do a lot of bad See, things. See, and please. it's interesting. Oh, sorry, um, go ahead. You no, know, no, Mark, I love having these conversations with you because I'm actually fairly – I'm really, really <laughs> new to the race discussions. And this is new for me. Uh, I wouldn't say no, I'm an expert. but, you, know but... <laughs> you have a lot more opinions on it. You've had like your feelers out a little longer. Right. So I would say yeah. – like, and I I get on the plan A uh, slack and I message like, why are these people doing this? So like, like – and, you know, one of them's like, oh, you know, this is really normal. And I'm like, so – yeah, I got accused of ripping on white people. I didn't say a word about white people. I just called the woman white. And what I was trying right, to do. Right. Oh, and then it became a well, the white people are lending a helping hand. And and I'm thinking mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then she goes on to say that people of color in this country are not oppressed. That's called excuses. Mm-hmm. And so. Oh, and yeah. She okay. told me also. She, yeah. And she told me that. Uh, it was white, and she told me to recall that it was whites who fought and won slavery for uh, freedom for the slaves. So, like, yeah, so, but uh, you guys had like started that whole thing, yeah, like so, you know, four hundred years so, before. So um, this is why I did yeah. this because we need to look at. This is why I did this because adoption people don't understand how complicated this is and when you have a a topic like it is rehoming that's something everybody not adopted can get behind that's something we can easily bring in the topics of hopefully 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 yeah (laughs) to get behind no i no, but i agree with you that you know you need we need to sort of try to find something that um an issue like rehoming that isn't about like feelings or it's not about like psychology or anything like that it's just sort of like Literally, these people are trading kids in in um, parking lots. Like something that like anyone could look at that's a decent human being and be like, "Holy shit, that's not right." And you know what? You're right. And the fact that white people are doing this, I think, is important because it gives you a good segue into a bigger discussion on white saviorism with adoption. Ab- absolutely, because you know, adoption is a, a really complicated situation. Um, you know, I think you and I have slightly different. Um, or, or different um, feelings about, you know, the institution of adoption and whether and, and things like that. You know, I've, I, but at the same time, sometimes it, it's the only option, but there are better ways to do it and to think about it. And one of the most one of the worst ways to think about it is white savior. The idea that you're saving a child um, that needs saving, especially when you add in the international part where the flow of babies goes from poorer you know, non-white areas of the world Supposedly to, poor. you know, richer white areas of the world. So, you know, that's not, that's not a mistake. That isn't just sort of like, oh, what a coincidence. I mean, that's, you know, and we can talk about this, uh, you know, we'll talk about this a lot more, I think, because, you know, it's a whole area of, I think, legal and, uh, you know, legislative and policy uh, discussion. But that isn't a mistake. I mean, that's a consequence of, you know, Decades of colonialism, racism, etc. So, um, you know, it, that is the most that is the worst part, I think, of the adoption narrative um, that's pushed a lot 
is that you're rescuing well, somebody and that you're 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 doing a great deed by 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 adopting well, a child. Well, it's really interesting that you say that because, you know, let's kind of blow that out of the water because you say, you know, the white saviors are saving people. The message when that gets sent through rehoming is, well, I guess you weren't worth saving. Hmm. You know, so that, so who right. controls again even in adoption? What who's controlling that narrative? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, absolutely. we know that there's an underrepresentation of social workers of color in in general. Mm-hmm. And especially with intercountry adoption, the idea is that, you know, West is best. You know, you have um, you know, yes, absolutely. You, yeah, so you know, not to get too much off topic, but when you know, just the general history of intercountry adoption, especially with the biggest player whole, is white Christians, and they, you know, and yes. so you know, there the idea was that these white people kind of bring in these children, right? And even with, and this still ties into domestic adoptions as well and rehoming because you know you get these people, it does, they bring in the children, and then they back out. What does that sound like? To me, yeah. it sounds very, very much like colonialism. And when people pull out, we you know under the British India, under the British Raj, mm-hmm. it will never cease to amaze me what the. Well, it also sounds like human trafficking to well, me. Kind of, it, ne- <laughs> it does. And but it, what it never ceases to amaze me is that after India. Um, was free, you know, from British. They split up the country. But the point is that, is that, uh, you know, there's this idea that we know best, that whites know best, and and that oh, certainly, certainly, Be- that's yeah. really, I think, what's really harmful. And, and you know, if people want me to focus more on the agencies, which is fine, and the agencies role in it, I'm sorry, it's going to come back to 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 race again. Um, it is because look like you mentioned the heart case and you know we could do a whole oh, yeah. we really dozen should. of pods about that situation <laughs> and how that and the, how that and we will because it's really indicative I think of a lot of other problems um, uh, with the with the with the system um, not just um, you know with race but to talk about the racial aspect and, you know, it's sort of even related to the, to the um, single black mother and then just the racial, the racial and racist uh, stereotypes that people go to right away is that with the Hart children, they were actually placed with their grandmother, mm-hmm. I believe, first. And then she ended up letting their biological mother babysit them like one day, like one afternoon while the grandmother went to, to do something. And that was one strike and you're out. The, the, the state came or the, the state came and took those kids away and gave them to the hearts. That would never happen with another race of, of, of family. It's because of these perpetual stereotypes that black families don't know what they're doing. And, you know, they're going to mess up their children and they need to be placed with a proper family, with a proper race of people that know how to raise children. And you know what that means in America is white. And, you know, it's it's just, it's crazy to me. It's crazy, especially with the particular history of the of the um, heart women, the, the, the those vile, vile creatures who ended up killing um, their children. But it's like these were not like pristine sort of like um, never, you know, they, these were not like 
fine, upstanding people. You know, um, so one of the the why there is an ins- the problem is that the system is so overloaded, and it's funny because the system is. right now is so overloaded with children in terms of the foster care system um, that there's not enough staff to kind of monitor what's going on, um, which is another particular instance. I know in one particular state that their child welfare agency is actually using contractors and subcontractors. So it's really- Yeah, yeah, I think it was the uh, Oklahoma, Kansas. right? Um, Kansas. Oh, was it Kansas? Kansas? Well, somewhere in the Midwest, some, they're out that way from where we are, because uh, Mark and I are both in New Jersey. Um, the point is that it's extremely easy for all of this to happen. And for kids to slip through the cracks. Yeah. So um, even with the rehoming incidences, um, instances, we can actually, when we talk about this again, and I'll be doing this and writing about this more, is that, you know, the yeah. financial incentive on the adoption agency to receive a child or adopt them back out, they're making money again. I mean, horrors be like yeah, they are they making are. money each time those children are replaced. So, you know, I, I, gosh, I hope that the parents don't get a refund. That would be, <laughs> God. No, no, the, the adoptive yeah, parents do not get a stuff. refund. I mean, but um. you know what? The way this, the, the way we're talking about these children right now, certainly, certainly sounds like that's kind of, I could totally see, like, can I get my money back? <laughs> like, I could totally see these people asking that. And I know that sounds really, really. It's not, yeah, it, it's, it it, it's not out of, it's not, um, yeah, you're not, you're not thinking weird. I mean, that's definitely the implication because the way that, that it's talked about and the way that I think a lot of these people think about it, it's like a commodity. It's like if they bought a pair of pants, they don't like, they're going to return it and get their well, money you know, back. The par- but the worst you part know? is that, you know, I, I think with rehoming, I think it highlights the, the massive expectations which people adopt adoption in general has placed and, and put into the minds of potential adoptive parents. And they become so blinded when they're yeah. doing so-called research, right? That like, sorry, I'm actually a librarian. So when I actually know the majority of what people <laughs> call research nowadays, it, it's, it really is painful. Right. But they tend to only see narratives that they want to feel that either it's confirmation bias essentially and they they oh absolutely stuff and they want to either believe that the bad stuff isn't going to happen to them or that their love is enough and one of the worst or it's some or it's some anomaly yes that that it won't happen to them and the worst part is that uh, one of the things i've had to learn through life and you know i have just not through adoption. I lost my mom when I was tw- about almost 26 through cancer. And one oh, thing, wow. yeah, I mean, one thing I learned, love isn't enough. And like, no. And I think that one of the problems and, and what leads to rehoming on the parents' part, right? Let's just not even talk about the agencies right now. Right. I, I will get to that. I know I will get heat for that. But, you know, let's look at the parents. The adoption agencies yeah, and the parents absolutely. are so consumed by this expectation of love and that in our society, mm-hmm. we have everything. We think we can solve anything. And the problem is that we can't. Yeah. When I, you know, And when I looked at my, watched my mom dying with all of the best medical care almost on the East Coast, you know, sure. she yeah, yeah. couldn't do it. There was nothing. And having to accept that fact at a very young age was very difficult. So yeah. it and, is and absolutely. So, and, you know what, Mark? I, I, yeah, I know you're on board with that, understanding that. And so with when I yeah. look at parents who give up, what I'm seeing is a disappointment that the narrative that we have in our cult- culture nowadays has failed them. And 
where, where hey, right exactly it's like oh we've been lied to we're disappointed and we're gonna just spout out and we're gonna give yeah we're gonna give up and so and blame yeah, everybody right. else we're gonna blame prepar- we're gonna blame lack of preparation and the worst part of that is that it's diminishing the value of parents everywhere when you're a parent you're a parent and yeah. if yeah. you know it's making really good adoptive parents look really bad first of all and and yeah, when i absolutely. think about this I, I, this is why mark you and i are doing what we do what why i started to do what i did is because i need people to stop falling victim to that because the vic- the parents are falling victim to the media's representation by not using critical thinking and not looking farther than what their own expectations are for what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. But then yeah. the real victims are the kids <clears throat> who aren't full. So, oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's – yeah, And absolutely. I, I think from a purely emotional standpoint, I mean, I, ha- I, I gather the research for you, but from a purely s- emotional standpoint on rehoming, um, I 100% think that – is one of the biggest reasons they like to say that it's because we weren't equipped to handle the trauma or we didn't have the resources or mm-hmm. we didn't mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. i see people fundraising to forty thousand dollars to get um and i know i keep throwing that figure out there but I, when i keep seeing people do that you mean to tell me you're able to use the internet enough to raise money to have silent auctions to adopt a kid but <laughs> right. you can't Right, but you couldn't do enough research yeah. to. And I'll be honest. <laughs> right, adoption confident therapists now are very extremely difficult to find, um, but that's not an excuse. They are not yeah. an excuse. So no. I think no. where, when the the happiness of adopting wears off, and you get the child that is coming mm. with their own set of biologically pre program genetic personality traits combined with a separation yeah yeah you need to set your expectations aside when my son was born right yeah when my son let me this is gonna sound really really mean but this is actually a really good (laughs) um perspective i think it's a really good illustration when they put my son on my chest okay Uh uh-huh i the first words out of my mouth and the first feeling I had was, oh, my uh-huh. God, because I didn't think that that was anything that he was going to look like. I didn't think that's what he was going to sound like. I didn't yeah. know what he was going to yeah. do. So right in that one instance where you're supposed to, again, the expectation is when that baby comes out, your mommy is supposed to be all oh, like fuzzy wuzzy, right? Like adoption. It mm-hmm. wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yours was like, yeah, holy shit. It was literally like, <laughs> what is this? That is not what I expected. Right. And as an yeah, adoptee, yeah. I think I was expecting more of like a little carbon copy of me. I mean, this is a whole topic for a different day. But the point here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is that he is his, a combination of my husband and all of our genetics before us, whatever made us who we are. Absolutely. I yeah. had to drop that. I had to drop that real quick. Yeah. And when he didn't, when he grew up and he was the, an active child who wasn't into sitting still yeah. with me and wasn't what I I thought I'd be going to the museums with him and discussing or I don't know what I, he's only three and a half years old so like, but like what and <laughs> no but you you've got to sort of work with him and that's you know where and, he's at and 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 who he actually yeah. is not your preconceived notions of who he was gonna be and you know that's true for any person I think but especially I think you know for a child 
because, you know, and we talked about this earlier about how we're not just blank slates and, um, you know, especially an adopted child who might be a bit older, um, isn't a complete, uh, you know, just an infant could be, I was four when I was adopted. So, you know, I wasn't, you know, I had been in foster care as well. So it's like, I, I, I was, I was a walking, talking, cogitating, you you know, little person, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, but I could just express my personality and it developed a little bit more, but we're all born with, I think, personalities. It's not like every baby that's popped out is completely the same, right? No, we're, we are unique and different as we are born. I, I truly believe that. Um, you know, we're not obviously fully formed. I don't think actually anybody in life is actually ever fully formed. We're always changing, but you know, we're not just blank. And especially if you're, 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 uh, you know, a a person is adopting an older child. Um, it's just more, even more complex. And though I have some sympathy for adoptive parents when they express how difficult it is, um, I'm, I always center the child and maybe because I'm adopting myself, but I always, I always adopt, I always center the person who has the least amount of power mm. in that, that's, you know, in that system yep. and in that, in that interaction, because the adoptive parent made a, an affirmative decision to do what they did, right? They made the decision. I'm going to spend however much money. I'm going to go to this agency. I'm going to sign these papers. I'm going to do all these things to jump through all these hoops to adopt this child, right? They had the power to do that. The the adoptive child had no power to do any of that. They they didn't they weren't they weren't asked, "Do you want to be adopted by these people? Do you want to um, go to this country? Do you want to any of, they weren't asked any of that. They were just like, "Oh, you're in this orphanage or you're in this foster care." Or you were given up when you're an infant and you're going to go here and you're taken there. And so I always, I always center that experience more. Um, and you know, I, I, I know people will say, well, what about, you know, I'm like, well, there's plenty of advocacy for everyone. I'm looking at, at it from the adoptive child's perspective. And I'm trying to, you know, get people to understand what that means. And I think with this rehoming issue, and I know we haven't really talked about specifically that issue in the United States. It's that's where I'm get, coming at. And I think people, if people could just, you know, think about it from that but perspective, you know what, Mark? a lot of this would, 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 you know, they, they think they're doing best for the child. And that's the problem. Yes, I understand they, that. And that's exactly it. <laughs> I understand and that's that. That's exactly the problem. And yes, they, they are. And it's, and it, and it has to do, you know, I mean, domestically, it's not, there aren't these same issues, but. Well, it's similar issues because if it's a domestic uh, transracial adoption, a lot of it has to do with, you know, white is right. But I think in the international adoption space, it definitely has an American-centric and Eurocentric bent to it, where it's like, it doesn't matter what these other countries are like. They're going to be poorer, and it's just better if you don't get raised there. And if you have the opportunity to be raised in in the Western world, then you should be thankful for it. And... um, (laughs) <laughs> that's just not true. <laughs> and, not you true. know, I really, you know, and, and I like what you're saying about, you know, doing what's best for the child. And, you know, I think 
that going, you know, for a very long time, um, I kind of thought about this idea of, you know, white saviorism, and I never thought of it mm. from the perspective of what are they doing to the child. When I sat down and yeah. I thought about it, I realized what a passive role that child, that human being is beginning to play. Absolutely. And how yeah. all of the actions, as you said, are being performed on this child. And we have all the research yeah. and the studies in the world and that hasn't stopped us, you know, speaking for those kids. So, you know, I think that when we think about rehoming, we need to really think about step out of our adult mindset and stop thinking, well, yeah. maybe the kid dodged the bullet or, you know, um, you know, and, you know, think about it as a child. Think about who you are. You're not a blank slate. You have had a lot of stuff. You're not able to articulate the trauma that you've experienced and I think when you think about it from that perspective, you have a lot more clarity of, uh, I mean, obviously rehoming isn't ever okay, but you get a better understanding mm -hmm. of what adoption is in general. So, and yeah, because absolutely. there's people who don't understand that, as you know, there's people who don't see what it is. And I think that, you know, it's really important, as you said, and I, I, you know, I never thought about that, Mark. I never thought about, you know, centering it on the child because <laughs> you look for the person with the least amount of power in the situation. And I actually think that's really awesome. Um, I never thought of it from that perspective um, or with that particular mindset. And when you think about that, mm. people want to think that children aren't free thinking individuals. And you know what? They don't have the same level of capacity, right. but what imprints on them is the behaviors that adults have done to them. And that, right. when you rehome a child, obviously you're sending that child a message that they're not good enough, that they weren't worth helping. And, you know, if, if yeah, you didn't absolutely. like that child to begin with, or, or if, I'm sorry, if that child, excuse me, if that, if that child was already born with personality issues or social problems that needed, a, needed um, addressing, then they then became a passive victim of a adults who gave up on them that has now mm -hmm. imprinted further on mm -hmm. them and they've even more of a victim and you're and these adults who are supposed to help right. are actually creating more of a problem so right but yeah because it goes back to my you know to what i said earlier about how i think everyone has fears of abandonment right but when you layer it on onto an actual experience of being abandoned <laughs> it's just you know, it's, it's totally, it, it's, it's, it compounds what is already part of what we, you know, part of the human condition, uh, but also puts like a, 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 it puts a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It puts a, a physical stamp on it. It puts, it, it actualizes it. It's a real thing. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, so that's how I, that's how I try to frame it. Uh, try to think about it from that way. Thank you so much, Mark and Plan A for having me. I'm really excited to have had this time with you and I hope that all the listeners out there have learned a little something. Um, and, you know, I really look forward to hopefully joining you guys again to really talk more about adoption and how it relates to the rest of society and, and um, ties into race and other and politics and all the things that Plan A is really known for. Well, thanks, Sonny, for uh, being on this pod. 
podcast. Um, it was great having you. And um, I know for sure that we're going to do a lot more on this. I mean, adoption is a huge topic. So many issues to discuss that don't just touch on adoption, but I think, you know, it can be expanded into, as you mentioned, um, the fact that the adoption and uh, the adoption and foster systems are just overwhelmed and uh, the agencies just can't handle the volume. Um, so we can talk about that issue. And um, just thank you so much. And uh, everyone, please remember to rate and uh, subscribe uh, to Escape from Plan A. I have it in my power to grant a reprieve. That is why I summoned you here tonight. Tell me who and what you really are and where you came from, and no better shall touch you. Hearing of you, you lied. Where is your tribe? My tribe. Another planet in another solar system. Even in your lies, some truth slips.